0: Welcome back to the EDM Podcast, I'm your host Sam Matler and this is a show where I interview producers, artists and industry experts. Now last week I talked to Jameson Shalner and we discussed how people can forge a career in the music industry outside of just producing music. But what if that doesn't excite you? What if you can't see yourself doing anything other than producing music? Well if that's the case, this episode is for you. I talked to Daniel Grimmett, he's a full-time business consultant who helps music producers get more clients, Uh, mostly in the pop scene, but this applies to you as well. Before he became a full-time consultant, he was an artist himself. He also runs a production company called The Songwriting Team, Uh, they have a great track record, and this is by far one of the most interesting interviews I've done. It inspired me, it challenged me, and it gave me a lot of insight Into why most people who try to produce commercially for clients fail. We talk about a range of things, including how Daniel would turn me into a full-time music producer if I paid him a ton of money to live with me for 30 days. Uh, Walks me through a really interesting process there. We talk about the mental barriers that hold most producers back from getting clients and how to find your ideal production client and keep them. If you're someone who wants to work with other artists, produce for them and get paid for it, keep listening. By the way, do you know what's really annoying? Spending $30 on a sample pack and only finding 10 to 15 usable samples in it. I've spent hundreds if not thousands of dollars on sample packs over the years and I've run into this problem again and again. Sometimes you get a good sample pack, other times you'll download one, purchase one, There's only a few sounds that you actually like. Splice Sounds solves this problem. You pay a small fee each month, about $8, and in return you get a bunch of credits. You can use these credits to download samples, loops, presets from your favorite artists and sample pack labels. Splice Sounds also has an extremely helpful library so you can find the sound you want really quickly. Now the best thing about this is that you only need to download the samples you want. You can preview the sounds, you can favorite them for later or you can just download them straight away and have them show up in your DAW automatically. Now as an EDMProd listener you can get your first month free. just head to splice.com forward/edmprod-music and use the promo code EDMProd when you sign up. Again that is splice.com forward/edmprod-music. that's the dash symbol promo code. EDM prod. You can find this website address and promo code in the show notes as well in case you forget it. Without further ado, here is Daniel Grimmett. Enjoy the interview. Welcome back to the EDM podcast today. I'm joined by Daniel Grimmett. Daniel, how's it going, man? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. No, of course. Now, you've done quite a lot. Uh, and one of the reasons I wanted to get you on the show was to dive in to your background your story so let's take it all the way back to the start as far back as you can remember when did you get into music
1: sure absolutely so um I got into music when I was a a pretty young child my uh father and mother were both musicians they met in the college band uh (laughs) my father was a trombone player my mother was a uh I think they call it flautist flute <laughs> she played the flute. Mm-hmm. Um and my dad was actually a band director. That was his early career. That's what he did as a job. He was a, a band director when I was a very, very little kid. So there were always instruments around. We had a we had a baby grand piano in the house and some guitars, and they never really continued playing. They they moved on to into other, you know, other other jobs and stuff. Uh, but that's how they met. So it was a pretty big theme in our in in my life, you know. Uh sitting around we we would sit around and listen to music more than we would watch tv as a family you know listen to records and all of that stuff so it was just kind of uh, i guess i was lucky and in, in that they were instruments were just kind of around so it was something to do i was not, i wasn't a big video game kid and and uh, i did a little bit of outdoor stuff some skateboarding and when i was inside though that's that's pretty much what i would do i'd just grab an instrument and and play it i uh got into playing, started playing with bands when I was um, probably 12 or 13 in the eighth grade. I played with with some older kids in the neighborhood. And uh, there was a couple of musicians that that lived in the neighborhood I grew up in. And um, I was pretty decent at what I did. So even though I was younger than them, I I was, I guess, a good fit for what they were trying to do. Mm. And played in bands from 18 to about 21 years old is kind of when I Hung that up, but throughout that process, I learned how to record. So I got my first kind of eight track um, digital. It was a digital recorder, little Tascam unit. Had one of the toughest like operating systems to learn on it. It was pretty pretty rough. I remember my dad being so frustrated trying to figure out how to use it. And and simply, I, I had to be the recording engineer because we were thirteen and and couldn't buy mm-hmm. studio time. And uh, so. By the time I was 16, I, I had a little home studio and started charging clients, probably twenty dollars or something, to to come in and record just bands that I knew from school, and that kind of started my career as a as a recording engineer. And uh, that's how I got. This is the the slow progression over into the into the production side. Um, you said you wanted the way back story, so this this yeah, is man, it, I want all of it. With me. Um, <laughs> so we're, we're at about 13 years old now. Um, yeah, I'm yeah, 30. So we got a couple more years to. <laughs> No, I'll get through it. So, um, so anyway, pretty true. I know a lot of the guys listening are, are electronic music producers, but what I'm describing is a pretty traditional path for like guys who became recording engineers. They played in bands and someone in the band had to record. So they did. And, uh, I continued doing that through, through high school. When I got out of high, I didn't graduate high school, but but my first work experience outside of high school was uh, in, in other industries, um, sales and different things, but I'd always mm. had recording on the side. And there were a couple of years that I, you know, did work work full time at a commercial studio in my hometown. Did about a year of of schooling for it at, at one point. And uh, yeah, it's, it was always been a passion of mine, but I was never able to kind of make it work as a as a career. Um, just to put things in perspective, this was probably like just was working in the studio when I was 20, 21. This is about 2009. Um, so about that time period, bands were kind of still a thing and, you know, uh, Mm um, but I wasn't able to make it work. Um, I wasn't doing any like programming really or anything at that time was pretty classic, like rock Americana audio engineer guy. And that's what my mentor at the time did. And when I was Mm -hmm. 24, so 2012, I moved to Los Angeles to become the next big rock and roll engineer. And, uh, when I got there, they were like, yeah, that, that's not a thing anymore. <laughs> I was pretty naive <laughs> to electronic music or pop music or anything, not because I didn't like it. I just never really listened to to a lot of it. Um, so I, I took interest in it. And, and, and someone there told me like, hey, Dan, honestly, like you're a cool guy. but Like our, like the studios, like we don't really need anyone right now. You're better off. Like if you can build your own thing, then, then you'll have it forever. So mm. I um, started looking at what the independent guys out there were doing. And came across a guy. I think I found him on like Craigslist. I was just hitting up everybody on Craigslist who were who was advertising for recording and saying, hey, move to town. I can help. Here's what I can do. If you need anybody, you know, let me know. And this one particular guy was like, yeah, come over. We'll try it out. He ended up hiring me to, to assist and do some records because he was super busy. And the studios at the time, like they were doing okay. But man, here are these independent guys just like cranking it out. And what they were doing was more like full production. Like they were... Mm producing stuff for the artists would be it, you know, electronic programming or live instruments or a combination of both and kind of developing the artist a bit. And I was like, Oh, this is, this is interesting. This is cool. I saw myself doing more of that. Um, cause kind of, you know, anybody, if you're good at what you do, you can go out there and do that and land clients. So I started doing that in 2012 in, in Los Angeles. Um, because of my background in some other industries, I decided to say, Hey, let me put this stuff on a website. Maybe there's some some people outside of LA that, that would like this. And uh, yeah, that the songwriting team was born, uh, songwritingteam.com is the, the company. And it ended up being one of the fastest growing uh, online music production agencies. So shortly thereafter, it kind of turned more into a team thing. Um, so went from freelancer to more of a, more of a team. Mm. and yeah man so we produce music for independent artists or brands or some film tv stuff basically any anybody that that needs music and is a fit for you know kind of meets the criteria of of who we like to work with as as a client um yeah you want me to keep going
0: past that i'd like to just (laughs) jump in there and and ask what are some of the biggest challenges you're faced with that company the production company
1: there's, there's a, a new challenge every day, as, as you know, running, <laughs> running a company yourself with any company, you know, there's, there's typically more failures than, than successes. Yeah. Um, I would say the biggest challenge that, that had the, the, the biggest effect was, um, you know, building authority in the beginning without credits, you know, um, mm. without a lot of experience. I mean, I had never, I was an engineer, and I moved right. to LA and three months later, I'm producing tracks. So I had to just learn on how to do that stuff really quick. And I, dude, I didn't even listen to pop music. How am I supposed to produce pop music? And and luckily I had some people, you know, just dove into education as, as much as I could. And there wasn't as much obviously then as there is now, you know, Um but uh just learning it quick. So, so the first thing was that the second thing was in the client business, it's very easy to just like stay stuck in the low budget market, you
0: know? Why Why is that? Because I know that's a reality for a lot of people, but why do you think it is?
1: It, so it's, it's just a mindset thing in most cases. Mm-hmm. Um, they're telling themselves that they're either like not good enough to charge more or they haven't been doing it long enough or they don't have credits yet in order to yeah. charge that much or they don't live in the right place or that, oh, well, well, artists don't have money excuses basically. But funny enough, yeah. like that's the most competitive market. The cheap market is the most competitive. Yeah. So that was the biggest uh challenge. I think once we got over that and realized like, no, like as long as we find what we're good at and and um we've we've worked some incredible brands and, and artists, but like we don't have massive credits by any standard. We found what works for us and what we're really good at and people pay us a lot of money to do it for them. Mm-hmm. Um so that was a big one of the big uh challenges, you know, on top of just your, (laughs) your normal stuff, running a website, (laughs) you know, things getting hacked and, (laughs) you know, stuff not working and employees leaving and clients that are maybe a little bit of a pain in the butt to work with, you know, typical day-to-day stuff. Uh, That was the, that was the biggest hurdle, man. That's when things really changed. And to add to that, uh, maybe jumping ahead, but if, if someone's you know, thinking those, those things like, oh, I don't have enough years of experience yet to work with clients or, or um, I uh, don't have credits or this or that. The the highest form of, of authority is trust period. Mm. I work with mm. guys that have any, any credits that you want. And many of them are not rich. There's a lot with credits that are rich that are doing great, but believe me, yeah. you'd be surprised. Like, um, and I'm, I'm pretty private with my clientele. Just that's, you know, my agreement with them, but there's guys in there have worked on some of your favorite records who in between those big records, you know, need help paying bills and need want to be able to get independent artists to, you know, pay them what they're worth. They, they have some of the same struggles as a new person.
0: How do you, as a producer, develop that trust with a client?
1: First, it comes down to figuring out like who we're the best fit for, Okay. There's seven there's 7 billion people in the world. So, you know, not not all of those are musicians, not all of them are on the internet, but when I take a producer and and say, okay, we need to start building some trust uh online, right? Some authority. Basically, if if we can speak directly to to our clients and their specific needs, if we know like what keeps them up at night, you know, like the serious mm-hmm. shit, not just like the hey, here's how to get more streams on Spotify, but like we can tap into not tap in to, to manipulate, but just show that, Hey, we understand the frustrations of our clients and like, we can kind of, we can help them get a little farther down the path. You can be anyone. And if, if you can connect with people that way, and your client has a very specific problem that they're trying to solve or spe- very specific stuck point, and you're the guy that like, or guy or gal that is the person to go to, to fix that. And they know that the trust is built.
0: How do you find out that what the issue is in the first place just by talking to them?
1: It varies. Um, Some of this is, it depends on how experienced the producer is with working with clients. You know, some, some have a pretty clear idea of what that is. They're just like, Oh, I haven't been positioning myself. I haven't been talking about that stuff. Obviously they, they know this is what's going on. They're like, Oh, I'd never, I didn't think that we would. That's what we talk about. Right like, no, that's absolutely what you need to talk about, man. Like think about how much you trust a best friend. You know, you you're struggling with something in life and you talk to your best friend and they completely get you how at ease you are, you know, And you can confide in them. And that sounds a bit overdramatic for what we're talking about, but it's the same thing, man. I mean, that's what builds
0: trust. Is it easy working or producing for other artists? Because um, I haven't had a huge amount of experience doing collaborations and so on, but Artists aren't always the easiest people to, <laughs> to get along with. Um, not all, but I don't know, like there are some out there with egos and um, perhaps a little bit overly critical. I mean, how do you manage that side of things? Or is it not something that normally comes up?
1: Oh, it definitely comes up. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely comes up, um, you know, so there there's, okay. So in, in anything, any industry, right. There's going to be people who are good hangs and those that, that aren't, you know, yeah, yeah. and it depends on, on the client. I mean, depends on how extreme the case is. A lot of our job is, is, um, you know, expectation management yeah, mindset so, yeah. where it may, you know, it's a, I look at it as like, okay, is this person just a straight up, if they're just a straight up, you know, um, asshole, then yeah. Maybe it's not a fit, you know, this, this is part way. is like, there's nothing I, you know, I don't want to time. We can't get back, you it's know, I, I don't want to get beat up over something that, um, you know, is at the end of the day, it's, it's not that important. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. There'll be other people we can make songs with uh, if it's, you know, maybe they're, being complicated because they want all these different changes and tweaks. Well, you know, we look at that and say it's our job as a good producer can say, okay, is this, is this person really going through a process where they're trying to develop their piece of art or are they making some fear based decisions?
0: What would be what would be an example of a fear based decision? Uh
1: well, you know, I sent the song we we did into, you know, to a blog and and they said this about it. So, you know, I want to go back and can we change like the core prog- you know, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: um, fear, fear of what other people, you know, how it will be received. It's it's tough. And I, and I understand it from an artist's point of view, because I, you know, have worked with a ton of them and have been one myself. There's very much this, like, uh, the, the, in the difference in and this gets better as you start working with more pro artists, um, a pro artist realizes that like, this isn't the last song they're ever going to make, you know, it's not a big deal for them to create a banger. So they, so they don't romanticize it as much, you know, as yeah. where an artist who's kind of putting everything into this one song, like, oh, this is my one, you know, piece that I'll get to show the world. They're just probably newer to the game. and dangerous
0: mindset to have.
1: Yeah, they'll, they'll realize over time, you know, through guidance yeah. of a good producer that like, hey, this is just a snapshot of what you can do right yeah. now. It's like a report card, right? It's just a snapshot of where you're at in your grades right now. Um, this isn't the last thing. And you know, obviously, first impression's important, so it's like a fine balance. You'd also don't want to say, "Oh, yeah, put out anything." But on the flip side, there's plenty of arguments to say that <laughs> quantity over quality game right now is is kind of working for a lot of people, yeah, um, seeing totally. what sticks so
0: so so pro artists uh, don't romanticize the single hit. What are some other characteristics of pro artists in your opinion?
1: Yeah, so they typically make decisions quicker. They're Mm -hmm. more likely to allow you to do your thing or or anyone else who's, you know, contributing to the project. Uh, They're good delegators. They're like, yeah, I hired you for a reason. I'm not going to try to micromanage it. Like you do your Mm -hmm. thing. Um, They're good. They're good at hiring the right team for themselves Uh, or if they're not, that, you know, they can come to someone like my company and we we put together a a kind of custom team for them. But but they they either trust someone to do that for them or they're good at putting together a team for themselves. They typically have a plan for the song before they dive into it. And they typically are already promoting before the song's finished. As where an amateur artist right. finished the song and then they're like, Hey guys, I finished this song. What do I do now? What do I promote? It's like, well, you're three three to six months too late, you know? Not to say that they mm. should give up, there's things that they can do to to recover that, but a pro would tell them, hey, you, you should have been doing this six months ago. You've Yeah, you've re- you've made a song and it's ready to release, but no one's here to listen to it,
0: you know? Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. So Daniel, you spend a lot of your time now coaching producers uh, and helping them build a business around their craft, Correct. basically, and producing for clients. What inspired you to start doing that? You're, you've got the songwriting team it's going, wow. Well. Mm-hmm. Why did you move over into this area?
1: More of a challenge. It's easy for me to get clients. It's much harder to help other people do it. I, lo- I like building things, but building yeah. a bunch of stuff for yourself can get dangerous. You know, you should really kind of be putting your focus into building, you know, one, maybe a couple things. Um, after you have a foundation, of course. So this job allows me to get to build, you know, 20 different businesses at a time for other people, uh, mm. help them through that process. So I enjoy that. It kind of switches the day up, satisfies my my ADD. Uh, but the primary reason is, yeah, the the Sarnia team is great. It does great. And it's continued to grow, but it's became kind of just easy. And uh, I wanted more yeah. of a challenge. So, and and there's just, there wasn't anyone else out there doing it. So part of that just maybe a little bit of a (laughs) ego thing, you know?
0: Um, Well, you're very qualified to do it. Uh, What are some of the, I mean, obviously you've worked with a lot of clients. What are some of the most common struggles that your clients face?
1: So a lot of them, there's, there's a lot. So a couple that come to mind are they struggle to like, so, so just to, just to set a foundation here. So most of the producers that I'm working with, um, I help them leverage the internet to get more clients. They're producing for clients on distance, not necessarily a traditional like uh, home studio or something. Okay. Like local studio. So for them it's very important that they're leveraging themselves as a leader in the online space. And a lot of them mm-hmm. are just afraid to put themselves out to do that because once they commit like one of the things I make them do like I go through their personal profile, Facebook profile and I make them just redo the whole thing. Delete all those pictures of you drunk and all these political statements because you're not trying <laughs> to be a politician and you know you, you need to show up as as a as a leader. And right now yeah. you look like a punk. And, uh, like, well, Dan, it's my personal profile. It's like, but it's like, dude, if you don't commit in every aspect of your life to this, you're definitely not going to win.
0: You know, you practice what you preach because yeah, your, your Facebook profile is like, is optimized to the T I've noticed. All it is about
1: is about my, my business. And I get some people think that's yeah. like, oh, you know, uh, you know, some people look at that weird, but I, if I didn't have a business, I would probably would, just wouldn't even be on the platform anyway. It's Mm a hundred percent what I use. Someone, someone said, this isn't my quote and I forgot who it was, but someone said, there's no such, when you have a business, there's no such thing as a personal Facebook profile. Yeah, that's true. That doesn't mean you can't have like, that doesn't mean it, it shouldn't be like authentic. Of course it should be authentic and, you know, having some content of you, you know, hanging out with your dogs or, you know, girlfriend or, you know, all that stuff's fine, but just a bunch of memes and like, Political statements, and which is, you know, in our country a popular popular topic. Um, <laughs> everyone's an expert on it. You know, just all this junk, complaining, whining. I mean, dude, expect a client to come to that profile and and then give you money. They want to see what they're about. They're about to invest a lot of money in themselves, and they're looking for someone to trust to help them do that. So that's a big one. Um, playing the uh, the commodity game, so competing on price and like in quality. Okay. We all have the tech to make great quality songs. And of course, we're all going to have our different flavor, you know, and there's still plenty of people that can't make a great song. They're early on. And then there's some of the best of the best. So quality, uh, an artist who's hiring a producer, they can get a quality product and they can get it pretty affordable. Like that's just good, fast and cheap. Like that is kind of a thing now. I know people that can do it. (laughs) And uh um, so that's just the reality. So competing on quality or competing on price, there's of course always going to be someone that, that'll do it cheaper than you. It's just a game you'll never win. Mm, um, so that's another big ch- yeah, challenge. So so leadership and just kind of how they're how they're positioning themselves. It's they're still in that in the mindset because we're told all these things like by the traditional, you know old school guys and nothing against the old school guy. You know, a lot of my mentors are that way, but they, you know, they teach us what they know. Right. And it's like, Hey, get in there, take what you can get, take the work, show up, do a good yep. job. And you know, someone will put you on, man, like your opportunity will come. And there, there's still a lot of truth to that, of course, but we can also, we also don't have to wait for that to come anymore. Just like, just like artists don't have to right? They can pretty much build. There's like kids on Instagram, like young, like 15 year old little singer songwriters. I've never heard of in my life that have no backing. And have 5 million, you know, <laughs> 5 million Instagram followers are charting yeah. and are selling, you know, back to school collections. Like, holy yeah. crap. And they're children. Like, oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm sure there's some people helping them, but they didn't have to wait for someone to put them on, you know? No. And producers, are, you know, or service providers, we, we don't have to either, you know? People, people mm. think that once they get the credit, their life will change. Once they get the Grammy, their I've life will change. And it's just that. not true. Yeah, It's just it's not true. It's
0: such a common mindset. Yep. If I do this one song or get this one label or this one collaboration, everything will change. I used to think when I was like 15, 16, yeah, that same here. when I finally got a release on a label, that would be it. Like I would have my ticket to success. Mm-hmm. Of course, like that's not how it works.
1: Yeah. Now, Now you're just in a different different pond competing. Yeah. That's it. That's all yeah, that exactly. Happens, you know, and then of course, Hey, you may become one of the top 1% people that like you will get handed work for the rest of your life and cool. That'll be 1% of y'all listen to this and mm. you know, let me hang out on your boat.
0: <laughs> um,
1: for the rest of us, it, it probably won't be.
0: Yeah. You can't bet on that. You can't bet on like that. I mean, there is an element of luck, I think, which people will like to, ignore um so it's like how do you mitigate that or mitigate the risk or you know anyway um i'm sure you have certain coaching clients that excel really quickly and just crush it more so than perhaps others is it just because they're more networked or they're more skilled or are there other qualities that they possess that cause them to do well really quickly
1: yeah this is a good question man because the the data is so all over the place. I've had guys come in that are the most like seasoned guys, you know, like for example, some of the bigger guys will come to me because maybe they're used to having managers funnel them jobs and that's been their career for the past, you know, decade or 15 years. And all of a sudden their manager didn't have anything for them for a couple of months and it scared the crap out of them. They, they realized like, well, man, what happens if my manager gets hit by a bus tomorrow? Like I'm, I'm screwed. Yeah you know, I don't know how to go get my own work. So the seasoned guys like that, all the way down to someone that, that I believe in that, that hasn't done much client work yet, but has a cool thing going. And honestly, like people in both of those categories and everywhere in between sometimes do it in in a couple of weeks, sometimes a month. It, it's kind of all over the place. I would say that the ones that, uh, tend to do better well are ones who have a knack for it, 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 the ones who can like that have a deep understanding of their ideal client they tend to get results quicker and the other ones we just have to do a little bit more work you know learning helping them kind of figure that out it's a lot of testing trial and error and seeing what people are responding to but ones that are just like really good at like understanding, maybe they, they used to be an artist. Like they know exactly what their clients, you know, need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, as far as some being well-networked, I mean, I have some that like even have their own, maybe they have like a big Facebook group already and and they don't always do, do it as well. You know, as far as quicker, as far Mm -hmm. as time goes, everybody goes to the program hits the goal, but they may not do it as quick, you know, any quicker than someone who doesn't have like that market already so yeah it's an interesting question because I just find it interesting that there isn't a correlation yeah because honestly if there was a correlation to like you know as as I refine my business, you know I, I get it down 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 to really like who is the small slice that I can really really help the most mm. and if I had that data to work with and it was like okay, it's obviously these guys yeah I would focus more on the, on getting more yeah. of those kind of clients but (laughs) I don't have that data yet, man. It is kind of, uh, depends on a lot of factors.
0: Do you find, uh, people who are perhaps further along, uh, more opposed to, I don't know if opposed is the right word, but take a little bit longer to come around to your ideas. Yes, absolutely.
1: Mm. We just talk about the truth, man. The truth changes that, (laughs) you know, it's like, well, Dan, I don't know. That may not be that. I don't know. You know, And, and I never want to do anything that isn't, authentic to them yep. ever you know but if i can tell they just don't want to do it it's like an excuse yeah or they're they're stuck in, in a bubble this happens a lot with the producers i work with that are in you know music hubs right. la nashville which, which a large handful of them are like well that's just not how it works here it's like well you can't pay rent next month so
0: <laughs> listen to me
1: <laughs> it's just the reality right and i don't say that to be like mean to them or anything you know or, or belittle them or anything, but like they came to me for a reason, and and uh we just have to look at the reality. But hey, man, is is what we're doing right now working? If not, let's let's try some other things. I will never do anything to. I, I get it. Like some of them, especially they have man managers and major label projects. If I launch them as some super markety, like internet blogger guy, like yeah, that's that's gonna damage their their brand mm. that, because major label, you know, A&Rs. So they just don't receive that as serious in their bubble. And I yeah. get that as where someone else, that may be the exact approach we should take, yeah. you know, yeah. and that is all off- It does feel authentic to them. So, so yeah, we, we look, that's why it's so personalized, you know?
0: Yeah. That makes sense. That might make my next question a little bit harder. Uh, let's okay. say I'm a well-rounded producer. I've got the skills, can make good music and uh, i want to do this full time i've worked with a few clients in the past but it's just been sporadic uh, there's nothing in place i'm still working a day job i want to pay you an insane amount of money let's say 150k even more half a million to live with me for 30 days and coach me through all of this how to set up a business around my craft what is the rough process you would take me through
1: so so typically Sam, what, what I do is kind of figure out the first thing is I walk them through what they think their problems are, mm. which in most cases Not aren't the actual, actual problem. problem. It's going to be stuff like that. I don't have a network or I don't live in the right place or I don't, you know, um, and, uh, if they really, in most cases they, they will, you know, I say something along those lines. Like if, if if I gave you that, or if you moved <laughs> to LA today, would you be full-time next week? Or if they're like, Oh, I don't, have, I don't have a website yet. I'm like, okay, well, So if I built your website right now, would you have more clients next week? Eh, Probably not. You know, it's, it's, Mm. they don't quite know what, what the issue is. Right. So, um, so that, that's what I figure out first, regardless of, of what we finally drill down and figure out what the issue is. There's four main things I run someone through. Okay. And again, it's going to be personalized based on where they're at in their business. Um, Someone that's more advanced, the problem would have been like, I have a full time job and a couple clients. I don't know how to get them. It may be, hey, I have a ton of clients, but none of them are my ideal clients. I'm working myself to death, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm. Um, So, kind of varies on the on the project now, or I'm sorry, on the problems. What I've noticed is whether it's someone who is seasoned and has Grammys or someone who's newer to the business side, the problems are slightly different, right? But the solutions are the same. Okay. So without going too, too deep into each pillar, because this podcast would be a day long. um, The first one is like positioning and messaging. So that's where I go in and basically look at, okay, what's the best angle that we can figure out for you, right? Like who, who can you help the most? You know, most of the time they don't know right up front. Um, But I'll dive deep in like maybe some of the wins they've had or like their experience or their backgrounds and say, oh, well, you know. You could probably help this kind of artist do this, okay? Mm. So we figure out, and that will change over time. We just need to figure out what we can, where we can get them in right now, okay? Um, we can always expand from there. So figure out where they have the best chance. Just throwing them out there is like, hey, I'm a pop producer. It's like, yep, well, that's that, you know. Mm. Um, but maybe they have experience in like writing for sync, you know? Okay, yeah. well, cool. So what are some other clients that, who would need someone with that knowledge? I'm not saying you have to go get them sync placements. That's not, we don't have to sell them the end. We 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 sell the means to the end, right? We just mm-hmm. need to get them from point A to, to B, not A to Z. So we position them as as someone who is very focused on a specific thing and get them out into environments in, in, in the web, whether that's, or on the web rather, whether that's Facebook groups or um, just different places and figure out where their ideal clients are. So that's 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 number one. Two, I help them put together a high value offer. Okay. So they will never again say, Oh, what do you do? Oh, well, we can I can do you know producing for you and then I can mix for you and then I can match. No, they don't touch their clients that way. They ask their clients, what's going on? Like, what what do you need help with? Like, well, I produced, I've I've had three releases and I'm building up an Instagram following and da-da-da. I feel like I've done everything and I'm stuck. I can't get this. And then my producers say, Here's here's what I think we should do. Now, part of that process, of course, is they're, they're producing a great song for them, right? Yeah. But they're positioning it in a way that's actually solution-driven, not just another yeah. guy doing some services. So that's the offer. I have to get them to be able to confidently sell it. Once we have those two things, most of what we we'd spend that first 30 days on is validating that. Because once we validate that, once you know like, okay, this is real. I know where these clients are. I figured out kind of what I'm the best, you know, at for them, mm. and someone has cut me a check for you know fifteen hundred for a song, mm. whatever the goal is, two thousand or a thousand for a song. That's validated now. Cool. Now we can focus on like growing that into you know work on inbound market. A lot of people will dive into paid advertising and different. They'll dive into tactics. Yes. And tactics are fine to to expand something that's working, but not to save something that isn't working. Yeah, you know,
0: they need to come off um, the strategy.
1: Yeah, like if you can't go out and organically, you know, build a four to $6,000 a month production business, then you're not ready for paid advertising. Yep. You don't understand the client enough. So so th- that's what we do in the first 30 days. If if you gave me 60 days, um, then we would kind of take that data and start putting it into more of a inbound marketing sort of plan to keep the mm-hmm. co- clients coming in on, on autopilot. Um, and then for... At that point, now that clients are coming in, I typically help my producers with the the systems part of the business. So kind of running it, managing it so that when they get all this work, they're not, you know stuck in admin land all day, you know, whether that means helping them hire someone or to set up some technology to help automate some things. So just kind of more of the boring stuff, but it has to happen
0: makes a ton of sense. Um, it's a really good framework, actually. I think the focus on the positioning. Actually, one thing you mentioned which I wanted to expand on was the providing a result rather than just a service, which I think a lot of people don't understand. They think that if they offer these ten different services to an artist, that will seem appealing, but it's not because um to me as a consumer, let's say I'm the artist, I see that and I go, It's one person, they're probably not that good at all ten things. So are they any good at any of them? And if they come to me like you said, like with high value offers saying, here's what I can do for you. Here's what I'm good at. Here's where I excel. It's like, cool. This is a person to trust.
1: It also, so to me, like, so what you just, just, you know, put out there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Also, it looks like you're just kind of stacking up a bunch of services to, to pull yeah. as much money out of the pocket of the artist, right? Yeah, exactly. uh, yeah. Do they need all that shit? You don't even know yet. Like maybe mm-hmm. they don't need any of that. What are they trying to do? Maybe they don't need this or that.
0: I, I think it's a fair thing as well.
1: Yeah, people. Yeah, exactly. They want to make little, that's another thing people tell you like, oh, you have to have your hands in a bunch of different, different things to make a living in music. You got to, you know, teach and then sell some courses and then have a studio and and all that stuff is fine, but you don't have to have that toy. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely some intelligence and like kind of diversifying some things, but after there's a foundation, you know,
0: doing it, doing it strategically. Like not just trying to make all five plates spin at the same speed. It's kind of like you've got your, like, at least this is how I think about business because I think it's so hard to focus on what's working, even when it's working. You're so tempted to like do the next thing or like try something else. But it's like, okay, I've got my 80, 90% of stuff that's working. Maybe it's one or two things. Let me try this other thing, but I'm not going to devote like all my attention to it right now. I'm just going to see what happens. But a lot of people are just trying to do five things at once and make it all like 20% each.
1: It allows them to avoid pain that they need to go through. Mm. Because like if one thing's not working, they're like, oh, I'll jump and do like graphic design now because that's like popping right now, you know, for me. Instead of just like pushing through the pain of what they need to go through to really make the production business great. yeah, They're going to just jump to what, they're going to jump back and forth to whatever's working. And, And that's fine. I mean, you could probably build like a, a full-time living doing that but you're gonna be real tired it's not gonna last forever and you're ne- you're just gonna always be playing the commodity game and the minute exactly. that some kid comes who's twice as good as you and a hundred dollars cheaper you're out you're always gonna be like chasing down clients
0: you know exactly i have to i've talked to a lot of people where it's like um i will say something like oh i'm thinking about giving up music production because this and this and this i find it really hard and i want to do graphic design or x or y or z and it's like okay what you've explained to me is more of like a work ethic or like psychological issue and it doesn't matter what you do next you're going to run into the same issue if it's a creative field and but they think that the next thing will solve the issue just because it's a different medium but it doesn't yeah absolutely you know
1: and that, and that can be a tough fine line too, you know, cause a lot of times it is that. And then there's also oh, on the other end, right. There's people that like, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's probably time to. Yeah. It is. Yeah. The notes, right. <laughs> nice. Um, that is true. A good business owner knows when to like cut it off. You know, yeah. they know when to call it, you know, time. That's of death. Also really
0: difficult
1: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it is tough to do, but uh, you know, some cases it's that, but yeah, I think in most cases, absolutely what you're talking about. It's, oh, this is too hard. Let's go to the next thing. Um, it also depends on, you know, where they're at in their journey. I think when you're young, you know, it makes sense to try a lot of things.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a few more questions. You have just, I saw this the other day, pop up on Facebook, um, full-time music industry. It's how do I explain it? Actually, I'll let you explain it because you Runner, yeah. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. So kind of the back. So, so what makes, there's a lot of layers to to dark label, the my producer business development company mm. that just keeps going down and down a, a rabbit hole. So <laughs> my, my sort of long, the reason I help producers build a client business is because it's, it's the one, it's what most of them want to do, you know? Mm. Um And I'm good at helping them do that. But out of the ones I work with, there's always a handful that kind of have bigger visions, right? They're kind of maybe the more entrepreneurial people that want to produce for clients, but long-term, maybe they want to launch something else, you know, uh, maybe something like similar to what you do or, or, you know, a blog or a product or a plugin or something, you know, and you have guys like, uh, like the guys in the metal world, like Joey Sturgis, who now, who build an incredible client business, You now back in other ways through education and plug in, you know, they just love building stuff. Mm -hmm. I I assume, I don't, I don't know them, but I I assume. So not every producer I work with is like that. Most aren't, most aren't, you know, but there are a couple that are. So I look at it this way. I'm helping clients build, my producer clients build a foundation so that they can build a career for themselves, knowing that two to three years from now, they're probably going to want to launch something else. And then the table actually turns I, instead of giving, you know, paying me to help them do that, I actually start giving them money (laughs) to go out and do projects. Um, cause I always had a, uh, this idea of investing in producers to let them create their ideas. But in order to do that, I have to have, there has to be enough producers out there that are badasses and actually have these ideas Mm -hmm. and put into work, put in the work. So what better way than just to start creating them now? Um, so the reason I tell you that is, is just to have some context to what full time music is. It's a platform uh, created by Austin Hull. Who's a, who's a, a pop producer in South Florida. I met Austin a couple of years ago. He had started a Facebook community for pop musicians. I think he came from the rock world and right. started producing pop and he started a Facebook group. And, um, actually it was long. It's probably like three years ago. And, uh, I just kept watching him. He he made it for no other reason than just like, Hey, I'm in the middle of Florida and I don't know any pop people. So (laughs) this is what I got. And I remember he got up to like a thousand members. It was just a really cool group. Like it wasn't someone trying to like sell all their stuff. It wasn't Mm -hmm. like a bunch of like trolls and people being whiny and stuff. It was just a really good community. And at some point um, I started mentoring him and, and, helping him kind of grow it. And I had some assets. I had purchased like a drum sample company and my uh, Sarni team had launched a beat selling platform called Anthemize for pop artists in 2015. Austin himself had some sample, you know, some companies he was doing. And uh, anyway, over two years, we had kind of been trying to figure out how, how the group would play into this, you know? Um, I think now it's around 15,000 members and and just a really engaged group. And we had built a little YouTube channel, nothing major, um, maybe 11,000 or 10,000, uh, subscribers, but again, very engaged. And, and we found kind of a market that there wasn't a lot of stuff out there on YouTube. Mm. So people really liked the stuff and we had had different experiences, you know, trying to sell some things and products and doing things and, and they, they all worked okay, you know? Um, and we never wanted to just like pitch all the time to this group or the channel. So Finally, we kind of figured out a way to put all of that stuff into one platform. And um, so I so I helped him do that. So basically what full-time music industry is, it's a, it's a place where full-time music creators share everything they know. So there's a there's an education portion to it that is primarily taught by you can go out and find courses with like obviously the top 1% guys teaching you, right? And, and that's awesome, right? I mean, who doesn't want to learn from the best of the best? But there's a different, we found that there's just kind of a different angle when you're learning from other people kind of like you. They're just a little mm. farther down in in, mm. in their career and they've kind of forged their own path. They just have a different angle than one of the top dogs that's been around for 20 years. Yeah. Not, you know, none are better than the other. It's just different, right? So um, what, what he did was he created a, Kind of membership platform for education, but also a place where he could house the uh, drum samples and the, and the anthemized beats and, and things like that. We have a job board on it where that's sponsored by songwriting team, my company. So it's where we look for providers and there's just a lot of cool features to it, man. Um, so it's just a good place for independent music creators to find, you know, kind of tools and resources and lessons they need to uh, start making a living for themselves.
0: I love that. So that's full time com. I made I
1: made your guys a little a little coupon. You want me to pitch that now or wait? Yeah,
0: let's do it, man. Let's I do just, it.
1: Yeah. So EDM30 is a coupon code for 30% off for you guys if you want to check out Very a, generous. a course or a or sample pack. And it might be interesting to to a lot of you who are starting to explore some some uh, different genres outside of what you normally work on. This was all created by like pop guys. We all produce like kind of radio commercial pop. Um, you know, whether that's dark pop urban stuff like The Weeknd or, um, you know, bubbly stuff like Katy Perry, you know? So of course it's, uh, we, we, us pop guys have been taking stuff from you electronic guys for a while now, <laughs> uh, but it's a little, you know, I think it'll be a little different from what you guys are used to seeing, uh, from sources, resources in, in your own world. Absolutely. What was
0: the coupon code again? EDM30.
1: Yeah, And it's 30% off. You want to just try some individual products.
0: Fulltimemusicindustry.com. Guys, make sure you check that out. Now, two more questions for you, Daniel, then we'll wrap this up. What books or resources have really helped you in business or life or music, if there are any?
1: I'm glad you asked. I'm not a huge book guy. And, and I, I really try to take some time, time to, uh, to dive in and, and read or at least listen to audiobooks. But man, my, my business coach sent me a book just randomly, It just showed up in the mail. And it's cool, especially if you're not a big, like long form book reader, because it's done mm. in a way where the lessons are very short, almost like a daily, like meditation thing. Mm. They're different, like mind frames. So it's called 177 Mental Toughness Secrets of the World Class. Ooh, I like that. By Steve Siebold. It's the third edition. It's a really cheesy book cover. It's it gives a whole <laughs> it, it drives the point of don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah. Um, But man, it's, it's, it's really great. It talks about just how, you know, there's a difference between world-class and, and upper-class, you know? Yeah. So it's not like some elitist rant or anything. It just talks about, this is how champions think. This is how they mm-hmm. handle fear, rejection, you know, excuses. Instead of being obsessed with the result, they're obsessed with, you know, productivity. Or, or you know, the, the end result, they're obsessed with the, with the journey itself. You know, they, they, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just flipping through it. It's just everything products of their habits. Half of it's just mm-hmm. like, yeah, you want to be successful? Like you probably don't deserve to be successful yet. Not in a mean mm-hmm. way. It's just that successful yeah. people, literally their habits are different. The way they live, yes,
0: what exactly. they do
1: throughout the day, you know? So yeah, if I'm sitting at home watching TV for eight hours, and successful people don't do that. Then you know, probably not
0: going to be successful. Awesome. Yeah, there's a similar book called um, Relentless by Tim Grover, which is quite popular but really good. He coached. He coaches like a lot of the basketball guys, um, like high performance coach. Yeah, very similar yeah. stuff on mental toughness because that's really what it comes down to. So let's say you're you're walking down the street and a UFO comes along. And, uh, they're about to abduct you, but they give you a a piece of paper and a pen and say, you can leave three pieces of advice behind for the world. Uh, This can be the world as a whole or just producers or whatever. What is on that piece of paper? Three pieces of advice.
1: Dang, dude.
0: (laughs) It's a tough one. (laughs) Don't trust an alien.
1: (laughs) Um, aliens are real and someone help me. No, uh, I mean, so most of these will sound simple, but, but the simple ones are typically the ones that are the most important. The first one is like time, time. We can't get back mm. period time. We cannot get back money. We can lose and get back. You know, I built Sarning team up. I've taken it all the way to the freaking ground, man. And then built it up again. Like that can mm. come back health to a, to a certain extent can, can be repaired, but time relationships can be repaired. Time, time. You can't get back. The second one that kind of ties into that is like people um, just, it breaks my heart seeing, and I know it's, it's, it's tough to overcome, but people let too much of, of other people's opinions about them decide yeah. their success. And it's just sad. It's one of the biggest things that I have to get, help my guys get over. They're afraid to go out and make a post and show up as a leader. And I ask them why, and it, it's everything to do with everyone else, you know? They're the only person they're going to have to wake up with for the rest of their life. And they're letting, you know, aunt Sally decide that for them. That sucks. That really sucks. Three. Yeah. To piggyback on, on, um, what I was just reading, reading in there. This is one of that. That's helped me a ton. And I think I've just got better at it as I've gotten older is, is loving the the process. Not, not the outcome. Yeah. If you're always focused on the outcome, and like, oh, you know, I'm pumped because at the end of this, I'm going to have me a, a house or whatever. Or what You know, whatever you want. Everybody has different mm-hmm. things they want. Um, a big hit or whatever. If you're focused on that, you're just going to be so bummed because every day you don't look at, it doesn't feel like you're you're getting there because you're focused on that. And then you're seeing other people get it. And it just, dude, if you just like figure out what it is that you love doing through the day, like I love being yeah. on my calls, talking to my, the producers mm-hmm. I'm coaching. I get to feel like Michael Michael Jordan, man, every day I come to work. Um, I love that, you know, obviously the big, yeah, I have a ton of outcomes, right. That I, that I would love, but those naturally show up when you, when you love the process. Um, so those would be my, my, my three <laughs> off the cuff.
0: The I love that, man. One thing I want to just add yeah. on to the last one is, uh, for people listening to this, instead of thinking about like the long-term goal, which is important and so on, think about your ideal day. Like what is your ideal day? If you could just have everything else taken care of, what would you do in any given day? And then work towards that. You know, so Ryan Holiday poses this question. He was, he's an author um, and he had just gotten into like full-time writing, like writing books, which he wanted to do for so long. And everyone else was saying, man, I wish I had your life, like blah, blah, blah. And then he had previously worked for American Apparel and they called him back and offered him a ton of money and he took it. And then like a weekend, he was like, why am I doing this? Like, yeah, it's more money, but I want to be doing this. Like, this is my ideal day and I've just gone away from it.
1: Funny you bring that. Yeah. Uh, that, that's one of the first questions I ask, you know, when, when a client starts with me, describe what your perfect work day looks like, you know, cause you're, you're right. If we're not, if we're not hitting that, then, then that's probably why we're, you know, uh, not to add a bunch of length to this, but just in, in my, my Mm. practice, uh, I, I have a business coach as well that that I pay a lot of money to, and then obviously you know this—we've yeah. talked about it—because I can't expect someone to invest in me if I'm not doing the same for myself. And yeah. recently, he's kind of been like, "Hey Dan, where you been? You know, I know you're busy. What's going on?" I was like, "Honestly, man, I'm just in client fulfillment world, trying to, uh, you know, keep things going with with the clients." And um, I, I told him, I was like, "To be honest, I'm a little, little, you know." Not overwhelmed, but there's, there's a lot going on. Like this could probably be managed better. Yeah, he's yeah, like, well, does yeah. the beginning of your day look like? You know? And I, I told him and it was, mm-hmm. it was just, it was the wrong answer. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, well no <laughs> shit. Like your day looks like a mess, you know? Um, you know, he's not, he's like, you're uh, not, he's like, you're not living what you described to me on this paper that you wanted me to, you know, that you wanted to live. So yeah, that's a good one. Cool.
0: So important. Hey, thanks hates man for coming on the show. Uh, finally, where can people find you online, learn more about you, look at your work, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I have a ton of different websites. So, uh, from, for my coaching right now, it's just at danielgrimmitt.com, my name.com. The production company is songwritingteam.com. And the last one I'll throw in there is, uh, the full, obviously the full-time music industry.com, which is what we talked about.